0: once again thank you so much for being part of our family Shalom
1: welcome everybody here thanks for coming out today tonight for our Torah class Shalom John Shalom Shalom that's right Shalom um see Uh, let me open up in prayer and then we'll kinda start with with our discussions Father God thank you very much for the the day thank you very much for taking care of us thank you for Thank you for working in our lives to the point that we know it's important to study your word. Thanks for helping us to find time in our schedule to come out and to read your word and to talk about it. And I just ask that you bless our conversation, help us to hear one another, and just teach us the things that you have for each of us to learn. In Hushua's name, Amen. Okay, we're in the Book of Numbers, as you know, and last week we spent most of the time talking about uh, the 10, twelve spies, ten spies, twelve spies. They sent out twelve guys, uh, a leader from each of the twelve tribes of Israel, to spy out the land and come back with a report. Um, two of them came back with a report about, yep, it's a great thing, I can't wait, let's go do this. Who were those two spies? Anybody remember who those guys were? Lisa. Caleb and Joshua were the two that came back. And the other ten came back with a decidedly different... Um...
2: What tribe did they represent?
1: Beg pardon? What, what tribe? Did they That's represent? a good point. What tribes were Caleb and Joshua from? Judah, Judah and Ephraim, yeah. Uh, th- there may or may not be a significance to that. We kind of like to think there might be. Yeah, I do too. The other ten spies came back with a decidedly different report, and it was negative and I think the, the line that they used there in chapter 15 to um, 14, I guess it was, to summarize it was the one that, uh, uh, let me see it. Heck, it way back in 13, wasn't it? In fact, chapter 13, verse 33 says We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And so they basically spread a bad report, and everybody got all afraid, and they decided that they should uh, overthrow the current management and uh, you know go back to Egypt. And so we talked a lot about that. One of the things I wanted to talk before we left that story, I just kind of wanted to ask a question or two about that. Um, we found out we talked a lot about. How important um, uh, what we say is, especially whenever we say it, you know we start, well, uh, negative, negative comments, gossip and murmuring, that kind of stuff. But I wanted to see if uh, I'd like to find out what you thought about uh, what sins did these guys actually commit? what, were, what was the thing that they? That God got after them for what? What did they do to earn his, to earn their sentence of having to wander around in the desert for forty years? Okay.
3: Um, they had lack of faith and unbelief. Yep. And
1: that, that's good. That's probably the main thing. Yeah. But I just wonder if you saw anything else in there.
3: Well, the murmuring and complaining.
1: Yep. They. Then the gossiping. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. They all go ahead. Would that be blasphemy? I
4: just wanted to say, since Mark asked the question, that it does say, if you please, just because, you know, if you please, only because it is on. and and okay. I actually knew the word, but yeah. I forgot it. I
1: think it's it's really interesting it. to have someone like you that can always find the little detail. No,
4: know? no, it was just <laughs> the only reason I brought it up was because of what you were. What we actually agreed on it. Remember? I know. Because, I'm just teasing you. Okay. Don't
1: don't, <laughs> don't. That's fine. Don't don't worry about it. Um, there was one other thing. Let's see. Do you know what, uh, do you, I don't remember exactly where this is but uh, it starts off rebellion as, the, as is the sin of what? Witchcraft, okay. They, that's, what, that's another sin they did, right? It was rebellion because they said, you know, we need, to, we need to stone Moses and Aaron. Who's the witch? Yeah. I, I wasn't quite going to go that far with it, oh, I'm sorry. but you you know how God feels about witchcraft, which was essentially what I was.
2: Well, going to say. maybe that's not what we think it means. It's just just a word we have, and
1: okay. Well, what do you? I don't know. I'm just okay. You're you on wondering. The spot. Well, okay, No no. I just anyway, I wanted to point that one out also. If anybody's got some thoughts, that'd be fine. Um. So I, my thought
2: was, is it is this considered? Would you consider this blasphemy? I
1: would. Yes. Yeah, I would because you're you're um, you're basically. You know what God wants, you know what God has said, and you're essentially refusing. You're basically saying no. It's, it's not just I'm ambivalent about it. I'm actively acting against yeah. it. Yeah. I'm actively acting against it. That's a good way to put it.
4: Well, you brought up witchcraft and, you know, I thought that actually it was sort of like witchcraft, you know, what could be related to that was when they decided they were going to go back in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were going to go back in. They were just trying to do things their own way. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to fix everything in their own power. Yep,
1: yep, that's fair. Okay, I just wanted to get the, go back and talk about that just a little bit. In chapter, Mark, just a second. So
0: rebellion is as sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry.
1: Okay, boy, that pretty much nails it. Insubordination, insubordination, and rebellion go together, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Insubordination is the uh, uh, what would you say? It's I, I, we ought to go look it up, but it's it's basically. Um,
2: Isn't that what is it on when you're on a ship and you're denied? Yeah. It, it,
1: well, what it is is it's lack. I don't want to say it's lack of respect because it's more than that. But it's a lack of obedience to your superiors. It's unwillingness to follow a command of, of your superior or something to like urge that. To, to, urge or press. to urge or press. That's, okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Isn't that what is? Now, I always thought insubordination was whenever you told your boss, I don't care what you want, I'm not doing it. It certainly fits this case. Okay. Well, let's see. Did we talk about chapter 15 at all? Uh, the, the next thing was there. It was called Supplementary Offerings. I seem to remember we read that. And uh, do you? Nobody, nobody remembers reading? See, I. Chapter 15. Did you think we read. You'd know this. You'd know whether we read, uh, at least part of it. The first part of chapter 15 talks about supplemental, supplementary offerings. And it talks about um, um, well. Let me read the first verse or two. Uh, Yahweh said to Moses, "Speak to the Israelites and say to them: After you enter the land that I am giving you as a home, and you present to Yahweh offerings made by fire from the herd or their flock, as an aroma pleasing to Yahweh, whether burnt offerings, sacrifices for special vows, or free will offerings or festival offerings, then one who brings his offering shall present it to Yahweh a grain offering." And a tenth of an of fine flour mixed with a quarter of hen of uh, oil and a quarter hen of wine uh, and it talks about each of three it talks about a lamb, a ram, and a ox or a, a bull and it talks about uh, you the, the same three items get uh, get presented as meal offering with each of them um, and so I, I think we talked about this, but perhaps well, we didn't.
2: I, I have a question. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. This just seems out of place, doesn't uh-huh. it? Uh-huh, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, that was, that was exactly that. one of the questions I was going to ask. One, one question was, why is this here? What do you think?
2: Say unto them, when, underline when, when the, when is your time to go in, which is way down the road. <laughs> because of what you did. Right. yeah Do this, do that, do the other yeah. thing.
1: In, in a way, it's a positive thing. Because what he's saying is, okay, okay, you guys, you know, you really screwed up in colossal fashion. And by so, virtue of what you've done, you have to wander around in the desert for 40 years. But when so, you go in, this is what I want you to do.
2: So his audience is the, the generation that's 20 and under under 20.
1: Well,
2: yes, although... And Moses, at least to this point, at this point it is. Yeah,
1: it's also also to the ones that realize they're not going to get to do this. Well, I know. I mean, you know, that's one nice
2: to know, but it's not going to affect me, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, hopefully it'll kind of make you think, gee, what a dumb thing I did. I don't know, maybe not. But that was one of the things that I was picking up on. It was after you enter the land... Uh, I, I do remember talking about this because we talked about these offerings. What did all these offerings have in common, John? Well, can I go back to the thought? Yeah, sure. It's
2: almost like God saying, "Well, now you've got your punishment. I'm not that. I'm, I'm, my work's not done. I'm still going to keep on doing what I'm doing, and what mm-hmm. what draw up what the commandments are. So I'm moving on." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he's, he's, What's yeah. the like? These couple of guys we'll talk about later on today are going to say, "Whoa, you know, that's got to that's got to irritate
1: them that." Oh, yeah. They're not getting in their way, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he says, my, "My plan's still in place. Even though you guys have uh, done your level best to thwart things,'.: there's, Yeah, you've been judged. Um, I was going to say, they, what do all these offerings have in common? They're all voluntary. These are all voluntary offerings. They're not the required offerings. There's only two real required offerings it's the guilt offering and the sin offering. These are all offerings that they've voluntarily done. That's one thing that was, holds them together. Um, let me see if this other thing. In verse chapter 15. Um, Chapter 15, starting in verse 14, I'll read. Chapter 15, starting in verse 14, it says, For the generations to come, whenever an alien or anyone else living among you presents an offering made by fire as an aroma pleasing to Yahweh, he must do exactly as you do. The community is to have the same rules for you and for the alien living among you. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You and the alien shall be the same before Yahweh. The same laws and regulations will apply to both you and the alien living among you. John.
2: So, let's do some comparison. Okay. This doesn't apply to the ones that just got judged because they're not going in the land. Okay. My analogy was there. it's as if they were dead to God. They were given effectively a bill of divorce. Okay. Now, if when they do go on the land, and there's a group of people, let's call them the Ephraimites, who do, do get the actual bill of divorce, there will be a question as to whether or not they have the authority to go to Yahweh and and make an offering. Uh-huh. One might say, "You're a Jew, You're a Gentile. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you've got this bill of divorce hanging over you. Yep. You, you're not. You, you can't come in here. This middle wall of partition." Has been established to keep so no
1: Gentiles. (laughs) So is that, is that? That's not, you could also say uh, aliens want to, you know, make up some new because the rules don't really apply to you. Someone or location with that, a little different thing, and and say (laughs) that the whole idea of talking about aliens here led me to think that. You know, we've talked about the, the, what do we call them? The, is that uh, there's a lot of you guys that haven't been around me. You haven't been with me for, for your whole lives. But I want you to understand that you're welcome in the family, but you got to follow the family rules. So um, I, I'm just saying that maybe part of the reason this is here is to reinforce the fact that God does indeed welcome uh, adoptees, he does, he does welcome them. You have to play by the rules.
4: Well, and that's kind of what the modern state of Israel does now. They say, "Well, there's other people here, and they don't have to play by the rules." Mm-hmm. And that that isn't what he that's said. That's not
1: what this says, is it? No. Yeah, that's a good point. Now you have to run the microphone. That'll teach you.
4: <laughs>
1: okay. Let's see. I think this is something we may or may not have talked about. The starting in verse 22 of chapter 15. I don't know why I just didn't say we we'll start in chapter 15. Um, Verse 22 through verse 31. Since you got the microphone, yeah, why don't you?
4: Okay. Let me look at here. If you if you err and do not perform all these commandments which Yahweh has spoken to Moses, everything that Yahweh commanded you through Moshe, from the day that that Yahweh commanded and onward throughout your generations. If because of the eyes of the assembly it was done unintentionally, the entire assembly shall prepare one bull as an elevation offering for a satisfying aroma to Yehovah and its meal offering and its libation according to the rule and one he and one he-goat as a sin offering the Kohen shall atone for the entire assembly of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them for it was unintentional and they have brought their offering, a fire offering to Yehovah and their, their sin offering before Yehovah and their unintentional sin. It shall be forgiven to the entire assembly of Israel and to the proselyte who turn, sojourns among them. For it happened to the entire people unintentionally. If um, if a person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a she-goat within its first year as a sin offering. The Kohen shall atone for the in- erring person when he sins unintentionally before Hashem to atone for him. It shall be forgiven him, and it shall be forgiven him. The native among the children of Israel and the, and the proselyte who sojourns among them. There shall be a single teaching for them, for one who does unintentionally. A person who shall act high-handedly, whether native or proselyte, he he, he, blasphemed, he blasphemed Yehovah. That person shall be cut off from his people, for he scorned the word of Yehovah and, sp- and broke his commandment. That person shall surely be cut off; his sin is upon him.
1: That's, that's good. Okay. That's that's what I wanted to talk about. So, um, can anybody kind of summarize this just in plain English, John?
2: So I had to step out for a second. Did,
1: uh,
2: I was trying to understand your analogy. Was uh, the the ones who can? it kind of goes along. Are, with you, are your, you going back? Well, it's gonna it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it, it's related to this, I think. Okay. Not any Joe Blow can give an offer to Yahweh. You have to be Torah observant, no?
1: Yeah, you have to be. You have to be a part of the covenant, right? Right.
2: Yeah. You can't not be out of the covenant and say, "Oh, well, you know, today seems like a good day to to send an offering to to God."
1: Well, I think that's true, but it seems to be pretty obvious that people don't always agree with that. I mean, you know, uh, there are people. Let's see. We've talked a lot about people that viewed as just one of many gods and they would work to keep all of them happy or to get all of them to get you know be blessed by all of them they'd work them all together and i've made a big point about how that's that god doesn't want that he doesn't he doesn't uh doesn't buy that
2: if you have a high hand if you're raising a high hand like it's you know yeah and yeah. in, in, in abomination can you do that the next day and say well i, I want to do an offering anyway i i or, or the day before, can I do an offering and, and then the next day I'm going to raise a high hand to God and be well, blessed? That,
1: that's kind of fine. That, I, that's I mean, obviously, the point.
2: those two can't go together.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So the point I was trying to get at here is to say this talks about inadvertent sin. And it lists two kinds it lists an inadvertent sin done by the entire community, and there is an offering prescribed for an inadvertent sin done by the entire community. And there's an offering prescribed for an inadvertent sin done by an individual. And they're, other than the animal that's sacrificed, they're essentially the same. And what's the whole idea of inadvertent? Unintentional is another word.
2: Well, I mean, life happens. What can you You say? You made a mistake.
1: Right. Right? You You didn't know. It caught you off guard. You either honestly forgot or you weren't aware. Or circumstances conspired against you, and something somebody happened drops that you dead weren't aware right in front of. You. Yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> drops dead right in front of you. That's a, a fair example. So there are a lot of things that can happen to you inadvertently, and this is the prescribed method for taking care of that. But then the verse, in, starting in chapter 30, uh, mine reads a little bit different than yours, but the idea is virtually the same. But if anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, blasphemes Yahweh, and that person must be cut off from his people. So it contrasts inadvertent with defiant sin, right? So what is defiant sin?
2: Well, it's blasphemy. It's like what, what, they, says just, it's it's what they did. What, well, yeah, what, go ahead. what the generation of the evil report did, I would say. Yeah. They're defiantly not going into the yep. promised land yep. and, and taking their inheritance. Yep,
1: I'll buy that.
5: Okay, so in verse 30, though, where it says, okay, and this is what m- my version says, but the soul that, that doeth ought presum- presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So when it says that, that's meaning his and the mixed multitude, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. not his, the mixed multitude, and then this other group.
1: It's it's basically meaning right. if you're if you're a part of the community, whether you were born in the community or whether you've joined the community, if you're a part of the community okay. and now you use the word presumptuously, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. Um, it's still uh, defiantly, I like better. But the idea uh-huh. is is you know that this is the point I was going to make. You know what you're supposed to do, okay. and you choose not to do it.
5: So you've had some Torah background. yeah yeah, someone's you, told you've you been we, told yeah. you the family yeah. rules. We don't do that here. and you defiantly went, <laughs> okay.
1: yeah. that's yeah. that that's exactly what it that's is. That's
5: what I wanted to be clear because, you know, I was defiant in things before Torah, and I'm like, ooh. <coughs>
1: Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. God, He doesn't hold you responsible for things that uh, you don't know. But on the other hand, once you know. <laughs> you could almost argue that's an inadvertent sin, right? Yeah. You could, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I think I would if, if I ever had to. <laughs> and it fit. But I guess the thing I wanted to point out here is the defiant sin. The defiant sin is, is literally you saying to Him, I recognize that this is what you want, but I'm not doing it. So that's rebellion right and you can see why it says right here blasphemes because we just read that you know rebellion is like blasphemy the the reason
2: it's so bad is not if you're just doing it by yourself that's one thing mm-hmm. but if you're doing it in in the in a public place in front of a bunch of people you know you you potentially are getting a mob going here yeah. to get them yeah. to do the same thing which yeah. is what happened
1: yeah and i think that's a lot of the reason that this stuff is here is because it has to do with this mob psychology kind of a thing, the dynamics of the mob, if you will. Um, but the other thing about it is one of the things is kind of like the there's a big elephant in the room in that, um, well, I'm, I I have done this, right? I, I have defiantly, I knew I wasn't supposed to do some stuff and I did it. Uh, but the difference is, is I repented, right? I said, okay, I realize that. I don't have a good excuse. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to excuse myself. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Uh, you know, and, and if, if that's sincere, if that's more than just, you know, some sort of a platitude, then God is gracious, and he accepts that. Um, but that's a, kind of a, an interesting thing to sit there and noodle on for a while, because you have to realize that God knows when you're lying, even when you don't. So, but anyway, <laughs> so I thought this was a good thing, and I can, I can now begin to tie it in with the previous stuff with uh, the rebellion and all that kind of stuff, because it's, it's basically talking about, um, yeah, they knew. they knew. Okay, let's see. Oh, then we get to this fun one. Verses uh, 32 through 36, that's just, what, four verses. Someone want to read verse 32 to 36? Janice will read it. Thank you.
3: Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because he had been... Because he had not been explained what should be done to him. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, The man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So, as Yahuwah commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died.
1: Okay, now that's a pretty harsh little passage, wouldn't you say? So Mm -hmm. before we start discussing it, let me point out two other passages that I'd like to turn to just for a moment. Uh, Exodus chapter 31, turn to Exodus chapter 31, and I'm going to read after I put my glasses on. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1. No, Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31 I'm going to start reading in verse 12 It says then Yahweh said to Moses say to the Israelites you must observe my Shabbats this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so you may know that I am Yahweh who makes you holy observe the Shabbat because it is holy to you anyone who desecrates it must be put to death whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people for six days work is to be done But the seventh day is a Shabbat of rest, holy to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on Shabbat day must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Shabbat, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. Okay, that's one place. Then I'd like to go just a couple of chapters over to verse chapter 35 chapter 35 and i'll read the first three verses moses assembled the whole israelite community and said to them these are the things yahweh has commanded you to do for six days work is to be done but the seventh day shall be your holy day a shabbat of rest to yahweh whoever does any work on it must be put to death do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on Shabbat." So, we have that that's already happened and then we have this thing we just read where it says in verse 34 of what we just read, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. What do you think about that? You think it's clear what should be done to him?
2: So on the service, you would say it should be obvious that it's clear. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear what should have been done to him. So why did they feel it necessary to put him in confinement for a so, day while well, they thought about this? Go ahead.
2: I've got a theory that this verse kind of goes against. And the theory is from the time that they got uh, the punishment that they got, essentially anything that they were doing, not, none of the priestly things really happened anymore. They were not, they weren't re, the children weren't redeemed. The, the circumcision. Uh, you mean at this time? From this time forward until they enter the land, no one was circumcised. It's just a theory I have because okay. it does say that they were circumcised. They and, didn't get circumcised till the end because there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no benefit. You don't get any benefit well, from the, keeping but, the Torah now. Well, but, but here, this obviously says, if you're not going to do the Torah, if you're going to do this, this gathering sticks on the Shabbat, then that's not a lot, obviously. Does that make sense? My theory doesn't hold up very well with this verse.
5: No, it doesn't. <laughs> and here's why. Because, John, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> because you have the 20 and under. Now, they don't know all of, you know, circumcision and how to do everything. Well, in order for them to do it correctly, when they reach the promised land to go into to do it, they have to have the training. So, so I don't think they stopped. No, I'm thinking he's mixed multitude.
1: Could be. Okay, could be.
4: It does say in Joshua that they had not done circumcision since they, you know, since they came into the, okay. you know. I
1: agree. It does. It does say that.
2: So, I mean, that's an interesting thought. What mm-hmm.
1: uh, yep. Tanya said. Mm-hmm. It, I, it, um, if it
2: was somebody under twenty, then then he's being rebellious for sure.
1: I don't know. Uh well, I I don't know either, but my thought is is that it's real to me, this is just me. Um it's real clear what was to be done. So they knew what was to be done. I I think they might have had some kind of an issue with boy, um
2: This is it, just it too doesn't, harsh. Does, this doesn't reset? this
1: seem just to be a little bit too harsh? They okay, picked up um, a stick and a so I think I think they were probably okay with saying, let's uh keeping custody overnight until God tells us what to do. Now, then we get off into a little different path where God knows the guy's heart, you know, and he knows whether this guy was doing this because, oh, gee, I forgot to get some the day before, and, I, you know, I need some, so I'm going to go get it now, or whether he was doing it out of a nobody's going to tell me when I can get fire for a firewood or not. I can do what I want to do." Right. So I think, you know, I think the judgment was fair for this guy because of his heart. But yes. I think there are probably times when, I mean, it would not be, and see, it's entirely within the character of God to have laws, rules like this, and then to have, to show mercy for people that honestly want to do the right thing, but either weren't able to or you know, couldn't somehow. So I don't know. So,
2: so the time he was in ward, mm-hmm. he, was being, he was getting the good cop, bad cop routine, <laughs> and they, they cracked him, and they, they got what his
1: true heart was Yeah, for Yahweh did. Yeah, that, that's my feeling. But like I say, it's just, it's just me. Yeah. Uh, verse
2: 31 is rather telling because it says, because he has despised the word of Yahuwah. Verse 31, so that- where?
1: Uh, 1531 yep because he has despised the word the Lord's word and broken his commands so it wasn't just a oh I think I'll do this you know just a whim he actually despised the word yep. of God so, so he did it kind of like this you know right
2: I wonder if that's the same word for Esau and he despised Pat has, Pat
6: I'm wondering if there isn't a little tone here that there's unbelief or rebellion on the part of the people because perhaps they did know what they should do but they would rather blame God mm-hmm. directly it's your fault that he has to be stoned because you said he did mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know and we we don't we don't want to have to do it yeah we're kinda rebellious yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a
1: possibility I've, and yep. I
6: think we do that today ourselves because we would rather pray, "Oh Lord, you punish him or yeah. you do whatever," um, instead of doing whatever we're supposed to. Many times too. Yep,
1: <laughs> I can relate to that. Yep.
2: John. So the word, the word, the uh, spies is baza. H n- H, 959, and the first time it's used is with Esau. Uh, Genesis. Twenty-five, thirty-four. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up, and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Despised. That's the first time it's used.
1: I've always liked that, that particular verse, not that I know it, but I mean, it's just because um, There's no room for
2: commentary. It's well, yeah, here. you
1: have to think to yourself, so how did the fact that he sat there and ate this, this stew and got up and left show that he despised his birthright. You have to you have to really kind of put things together before you get you get the meaning of that. I don't want to go off on that rabbit trail, but the, it's well, just interesting to me.
2: It's a binding contract. He took quid for a quo.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have to... You That's fine. Let's Can do it. Okay. I'm sorry. Sure.
5: So so I mean, Yah knows his heart like es- okay, like Esau mm-hmm. that despised. So Esau and I you know, and when I've read this, I'm thinking, well, what was he just sitting there going, "Oh, dude, my kingdom for a bowl of soup." I mean, you know what I yeah. mean, or oh, was yeah. he like, "My kingdom," you know what I mean? No, no, I know
1: exactly what, what you mean.
5: So it was out of. It had to be this attitude that he was doing it. I mean, but I'm thinking, you know, was he just snarking and being a dork? You know. Well, now let me let's talk things? about that
1: for a minute because uh, there, there's I understand where you're coming from, and I understand where John's coming from. The way I always tell the story is that, you know, it says Esau was out hunting, and he came back, and he was famished. And I've even, you can go through the the math, and you can judge that these guys were teenagers at the time. And he comes back, and he says, and he basically says, man, I'm starving to death. And Jacob, who's been over here messing around, making this stew, and thinking, man, I sure wish I could have the birthright, because that turkey doesn't deserve it. You know, he's thinking, how can I get the birthright? So he comes in and says, I'm starving to death. Give me some of that stew. So Jacob's equally complicit. He says, sure, I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. You know, if you will trade the birthright for this bowl of stew, I'll be happy to give it to you. Uh, and it says, it says, Esau said, he said, well, what good's a birthright to me if I'm going to die of hunger? Now, that is snarky for sure, but he went ahead and did it. I mean, they shook on it. And he says, sure, your birthright's yours. Give me the soup. So he ate the soup and got him left. And so what he did by doing that was he showed that for him, the birthright wasn't worth anything. And that's, that's what it means to despise it. No, no, yeah. no.
2: No, no, no. It was worth a bowl of soup. It's worth a bowl of soup. It was worth a dollar. Let's make it legal. It's a yeah. dollar. Yep. Yeah.
6: <laughs> In that story, too, you have the mother also that's complicit.
2: <laughs> Very yep. complicit. Yep, yep. <laughs> I bet Jacob could have said, "There's no way he's going to do this. I'm going to see what he does. He takes
0: it. He he did it. it. Wow, he did it!" Sucker. So another thread in that is that uh, Esau really was unable to control his passions. Yeah. And a Hebraic thought is is that we really, we we as people have to master our passions. Yeah. And that goes in all areas, Mm -hmm. food, relationships with your significant other, uh, the the things you like to do the most, and they all become greater than the heart's desire for him and his ways. And here's a perfect example
1: of the passions just outruled what should have been more important. You know, I never had this thought until just now, but that that idea uh, supports fasting. Now, that's why you fast.
4: Along the lines of what Mark was saying, you know, Rabbi Sachs has a really good teaching on that about Esau wasn't, he wasn't a bad man. He was a natural man. Yes. And, <laughs> and we're not supposed to live by our natural man. Yeah,
1: yeah. you're supposed to learn. To, that's exactly right. right. Learn to control that.
2: Yeah. What's in the name of his descendants?
1: Edomite, Adam is earth. Yeah. Earth, yeah. yeah. Adam. Boy, we got a a nice rabbit trail. I didn't mind that one. He said that word and he brought it up. Yeah, that's great. That's all right. So let's see. We'll finish chapter 15 with this last little verse or little passage from 37 to the end of the chapter. Would somebody like to read from verse 37 to the end of the chapter?
2: We have a contestant.
5: (laughs) And the Lord spanked unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart, and your own eyes, after which ye ye used to go a-whoring." that ye may remember, and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. To be your God, I am the Lord your God. Okay.
1: Mark's got something on that. Yes. Well, in a way, it kind of follows from our discussion. But we'll, we'll see here.
0: I used to call the Zitzit a, a engagement ring, but it's it's interesting because, you know, we, you know, oftentimes people say, "Well, I don't need a reminder," but yet God's clearly saying He needs a reminder by the rainbow. So, the, for us, and of course, in our community here, we don't say someone's got to do this or that. Every, people that come in new that aren't aware, it's just supposed to have a thread of blue in it. But Brother Judah, for that, because we've learned. from I like the story of Nathan, the, the Israeli boy that died, reviewing him because he said some significant things that really intrigued them, Because he didn't know Scripture, and he was quoting Scripture that he didn't know, that he could have only known whenever he had, because he had been before the Almighty. He said, in heaven, it's a huge thing to wear a or that you have worn them, or you had been wearing He said, in there, that's gigantic. It's huge. They make a big deal about it. So... For whatever reason, that's interesting. For whatever reason, according to him, it was a huge thing. The ZT. Yep.
1: By the way, just in case, I guess everybody does know that. Here's this is what they're talking about, right? This is a, yeah. a prayer shawl. So whether or not that's a garment back then, they had the shawl. Uh, a man carried around a shawl with him almost all the time. I suppose a woman did too, as a way to stay warm and to uh, protect themselves from the weather. And so you take the four corners and you tie. A, a tassel on it like that. Now this one is obviously not one that's prescribed in the Bible because there's no blue. But anyway, that's zitzit. I had some discussion with someone the other day. This is a zitzit and if you are talking in plural it's called zitziot. So someone wanted to know is that two different things? No, no, it's the same thing. One's, one's one and one's more than one.
5: And a tallit is not that's the other one, right?
1: No, that's the tallit is the cloth. It's the the whole thing.
5: The tleet is the cloth itself. Yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's prayer shawl. Yep. Oh, prayer shawl. Um, okay. Lisa has something she probably knows more about that than I do.
4: But a lot of, he said put it on the four corners of your garment, so a lot of people just don't just put it on their zizi they they wear that. Sure. Whatever it's called the cuff,
1: Well, there's a cuff. The, yeah, yeah, there's a, a an undergarment that Jewish men often wear. It's look it looks kind of like a little vest. And it's got four zitziot hanging down uh, on the corners, and that's called a talit katan. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Um, oh, so make this, sure not
1: forget, Tanya, whenever you're done, though. Right, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, this is the first time, I think some people would argue whether, about whether or not zin yeah, I'm not defending this, yeah. but this is the first time it's brought up after the rebellion. It's true. And it is mentioned again in Deuteronomy, 22, 12, so. Okay. It's, I'm just pointing out this is the first time it's brought up in Torah.
5: To this, it wasn't ...israel, or only well, the men of Israel.
1: Nope, the, that would indicate that that's what the Bible said.
0: Through wording at the beginning of the manna passages. And so it says, tell the children or the sons of Israel, depending on which text you're using, to the Judah, they're interpreting it as the sons of Israel. And so because it says son, same phrase, same Hebrew words in That's order funny. for both passages. So you just have, to, and it is common sense. Does God only want the men remembering his commands or does he want the women? Yeah, so yeah. it's just yeah. simple.
2: How do you know it isn't let them eat cake?
3: <laughs> I have a question. Now, I, I haven't been to Israel before, but I know people that have, and they say that um, the people in Israel, the Jews, they wear seat seats, but they don't wear the blue. Mm-hmm. And why but, is that? Do you know?
0: So the blue was said to have been formed from uh, color to That's what's used in the, the Hebrew text, blue is t'chelet, and this t'chelet was manufactured by a particular snail that was found uh, in the ocean waters. Well, because the snail can't be found, therefore they can't make this t'chelet, which is an a, a indigo color. And so from their interpretation, it's got to be from the snail. Well... Well, the word is t'chelet, yes, it doesn't say snail, but what they did to come up with that color was use this particular snail to come up with that. My point would be, did God say it only had to be from the snail to get the the, the, the indigo blue, or could you make indigo blue from other sources? So that's the debate. And so, again, I don't judge anybody whether they're wearing it or not, and... uh, uh, or what, what, you know, whether they have the blue in there, I'm just glad they have a heart to try to do it. And if they have a personal halacha that um, they don't feel like they should wear the blue or wear seat at all, uh, I'm okay. That's between them and their creator.
1: The, it's an interesting fact that today, then, when you see uh, people wearing seats that have blue in them, they're more than not, more often than not, they're messianic. So they've been found.
0: <laughs> like, the colors have been found. So guess where the crimson color comes from? It comes from another, uh, from another creature that existed in the trees. And whenever they would crush it, this crimson, which really looks kind of an orangey to me, it's kind of a, a dark orange instead of a red, but uh, that's where they get this. And now they've got a lot of it. So they're making this, dyeing this wool. In this crimson color, from this ingredient that's in this crushed shell or whatever it is from the tree,
2: they
4: found the blue uh, the snail. Yes, they have. They
1: have recently, or not recently, but yeah, in the not too distant past, they they think they found this snail that this came from and uh, so I guess they're using it again but like I say this as as I was looking at this this is obviously a uh, pershaw that came from some Judaica because it's got no blue in it
5: so back to why this passage is here
2: hmm
5: because the guy who's collecting the sticks, he wasn't like, you know, and, what I want to say, envying his neighbor's wife, or
1: mm-hmm. do
5: you know what I mean? something visual? No, yeah. But, or is it just like, hey, uh, you best wear these so you don't forget this
1: stuff? Well, there, a there, certainly it could be something that simple. It should be, you know, wear these so that you don't forget. Um, I mean, that's what it says, plainly. It says wear these so you don't forget. I, so, it is in the past. It's got to do with, you know, uh, sacrifices for inadvertent sin, and, and it talks about the difference between inadvertent sin and deliberate sin and all that kind of stuff. And So this kind of fits there from the standpoint of, uh, uh, of all of that. You know, you, you need to put these things at the forefront of your mind.
2: Yeah. So it's analogous to tying a string around your finger? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think. I think like Mark said, it's kind of like an engagement or a wedding ring because, because you know, you think about it like you're not really going to go sinning with the mon.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you, yep. you
4: would have to remove it if you really yep. want to sin.
1: Yep, 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 yep.
6: I would be more likely to take exodus thirty one thirteen where he mm-hmm. says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbath ye shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that sanctified you to me that's a similarity to the wedding uh, the engagement ring, mm-hmm. one reason being that it is something that God instituted. Man doesn't have to hunt for a piece of string to be obedient to it. Yep. He, whatever he um, asks us to do, he provides what we need. Yep. And a Sabbath is a, something he has provided, and we don't have to hunt for it. That's so. a
1: very good point. That's a good point. I think the, the neat thing about the Sabbath is it definitely says it's a sign, and it, he says that by keeping the Sabbath, you show that you are mine, you know, you know, I am the Lord. You show that you are mine. And if it's a fun thing to do, is to there's a ton of stuff in the Tanakh about the Sabbath, tons of stuff. And some of the particularly nice stuff there's a uh, there's a passage in Isaiah. I can't remember the exact chapter. It's toward the end that it just talks all about the the Sabbath. The the uh, it's Isaiah 56. I have it written down. It talks about why why God likes it the joy of the Sabbath you know and and how he um he uh I don't know how he smiles on people that go out of their way to keep the Sabbath so that is a that, that's a big deal i like that i like that because there's a lot of support for it like you say
2: mm-hmm. so <clears throat> it's saying i identi- if, if Yahweh is my king and i'm identifying him as my my king by This by keeping the Sabbath, then no other king and earthly king can claim that they're a king over me. That's that's fair, Mr. Legal. That's well, you need to be able to articulate that when someone's trying to suggest that there is should be a king over you.
1: Yep, I like that.
4: Well, and um, okay, I have a question because the people in the church that I mean, really. I mean, this guy got stoned for not keeping the Sabbath. I mean, pretty much the leaders in the church circles have defied, Mm -hmm. have defied the living God to say that the Sabbath has changed, and they and to to be totally desecrating the Sabbath. I mean, so how much trouble are they in? I mean, I'm not going to judge them. (laughs) I'm not going to judge them and say I know they're in big trouble. Because I got my own things to deal with. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems like that's pretty bad. Now, I'll tell you
1: what we should do. As you were talking, we should pray for those guys so that someday they'll realize yeah. the magnitude of what they're doing.
4: Yeah, because it's a big deal. A I big mean, it's, deal. it's a big deal. I mean, when you think about it, it's huge.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're responsible for other people doing the same we, thing.
2: We we should be keep doing it in a positive way to give them an example to look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it says in in this Isaiah passage it says, "Keeping the Sabbath ought to be a joy for you. It ought to be something that you do that you enjoy doing." And and you know, I'm convinced he smiles on you when you do it. You know, we get blessed for doing this. Yeah.
4: Um. Stopped. <laughs> they, they stopped. Um. When did they stop?
1: of the the Sabbath. You're talking about the church? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Well, they did that. It was kind of in the 3 or 480 time frame. What they were doing is things had happened in Rome in such a way that there was a big differentiation between the Jews and the, the people that believed in Messiah, right? And it turned out that there were social reasons, there were political reasons why you would want to be one and not the other. Okay? And so they tried to separate the two. And they, it wasn't just the Sabbath, although that was probably the biggest one. It's also why they, they made it uh, against the ecclesiastical law to celebrate the Jewish holidays. You know, you weren't allowed as a believer in Yeshua to celebrate Passover. And it's, uh, <clears throat> the church took a conscious effort to separate itself from the, the Jews. And it was like that time frame, 300 to 400 A.D., they called it the Jewish Sabbath, the Jewish High Holy Days. But it's not, it's Yahweh's High yeah. Holidays. Yeah. I mean, like I say, that's one of the things that got me going was just reading that, Jan, Jan'll tell you. She says, look at here. It doesn't say it's for Jews, it says it's for everybody.
2: <laughs> there really wasn't a distinction between Jew or yeah. Israel or a yeah. prime. Well they, or they or never a even Mesa. had the term Jew, right. really.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. So well, good. We finally finished on our review of last week. <laughs> so we can go on to chapter 16. Chapter 16 will not finish, obviously, but man, there's good stuff in chapter 16. This is, this is Cecil B. DeMille kind of stuff, you know? So um, let's see. I'd, um, I'd like for someone to read through verse 22. Someone want to read the first 22 verses of chapter 16? Yay, Alfonso.
7: (laughs) And Korah, son of Yitzhar, son of Kehath, son of Levi, took both Dathan and Abraham, Abraham, the son of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, son of Reuben, And they rose up before Moshe with some of the children of Yisrael, 250 leaders of the congregation called ones of the meeting, men of name. And they assembled against Moshe and against Aaron and said to them, Enough of you, for all the congregation is Kodesh, all of them, and Yahuwah is in their midst. Why then do you lift up yourselves above the assembly of Yahuwah? And when Moshe heard, he fell on his face and spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning, Yahuwah shall make known who is who is his and who is Kodesh and come near to him. And let him bring near to him the one whom he chooses. Do this. Take fire holders, Korah, and all your company and put fire in them and put incense in them before Yahuwah tomorrow. And it shall be that one whom Yahuwah chooses is a kadosh one. Enough of you, sons of Levi. And Moshe said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it little to you that Elohim of Yisrael has separated you from the congregation of Yisrael to bring you near to himself to perform the service of Mishkan of Yahuwah and to stand before the congregation to serve him? And that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you, yet you seek the kahuna as well. Therefore, you and all your company are assembled against Yahuwah and Aaron. What is he that you grumble against him? And Moshe sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we are not coming up. Is it little that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you would also seize total rule over us? Also, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Would you bore out the eyes of these men? We are not coming up. And Moshe became very displeased and said to Yahuwah, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I done harm to any of them. Then Moshe said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company shall be be there before Yahuwah, and you and they and Aaron. And take each one his fireholder, and you shall put incense in it. And let each one bring his fireholder before Yahuwah, 250 fireholders. And you and Aaron, each one with his fire holder. So each one took his fire holder and put fire in it and laid incense on it and stood at the door of the tent of appointment with Moshe and Aaron. And Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the door of the tent of appointment. Then the esteem of Yahuwah appeared to all the congregation. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from the midst of this congregation and let me consume them in a moment.
1: Or is it chapter 21? One, one more. One read, more. Uh, read through verse 23. 23? <laughs>
7: yeah. But they fell on their faces and said, O El, Elohim of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sins, are you wroth with all the congregation? And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, you want to go 24 then? Yeah, 24. Speak to the congregation, saying, move away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abram. Okay,
1: that's good. Well, this would be fun. See, I told you, this is just like Cecil B. DeMille. You sound like Samuel B. Jackson, right? Um, okay, so can somebody kind of just summarize this in words of their own? What's going on here? What's, what's happened? Mark says he could do that.
0: To put it real simple, this is where, this exactly is where we get the phrase, the big kahuna. Everybody wanted to be the big kahuna. And his scripture points it out. He says, you're after the kahuna. Yeah,
1: yeah, it says that. The priesthood. Yeah, the priesthood, yep. They
0: all want to be the big kahuna.
1: Yep. We're still fighting about it. Yep. But it is. Let's let's dismember it a little bit, start back at the beginning. First of all, who are these guys? Uh, The first one it mentions is Korah. Korah is the son of some guy Who is the son of Kohath? Who's Kohath? A Levite. He's a Levite. He's more than just a Levite. Who... Let's see, there are three three clans in the Levi tribe. There's Merari, Gershom, and Kohath. Okay, and we know about the Merarites and the Gershonites because they were responsible for carrying the hardware and the software. Do you remember the Kohathites, what they're responsible for? Well, they're responsible for carrying the, the, the furnishings, right? Um, and so Aaron, be- Aaron is, of what clan is he? Kohath, right? So this is a cousin of Aaron, is who this is, right? So when Moses <clears throat> points
2: out, you don't have the very highest position you can have, but you have the second highest. Yeah. You're not, it's better than the hard... You're the Levite, first of all. Yeah. It's better than the hard, carrying the hardware or the software. Yeah. You're carrying, carrying the furniture, yeah. which is a very, very important yeah, job. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's a good way to put it. On the bottom is all the rest of the Israelites, right? The next level up are the Levites. The Levites are responsible for dealing with the things of God. And then of the Levites, the next level up is the Kohathites, because they're responsible for dealing with the important things in the tabernacle. And then if you go up one more, then you're the priests. So there's only one place they could go. Then So Korah's got really no complaint, if you ask me. He's like uh, he's like one of the, what do you call them, the, the 10 percenters or something in the economy around here? I don't know. Yeah.
2: Well, so it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is the first time that there's any mention of a Levite rebelling. rebelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably.
2: Right. I mean, I mean that's a big deal because yeah. Yahweh put a lot of confidence in yeah, them yeah, because yeah. He made them the firstborn yeah, or boy. took their place <laughs> of the firstborn. Yeah, and as
1: as you both, as you know, who've read ahead, He uh, definitely um, stops this one. <laughs> anyway.
2: So why is why why is this happening now? Isn't this also similar to the same the same verbiage that uh, Miriam says that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who are you? You know.
1: Yeah. Who made you king? Who made you the big Kahuna? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can go back and find an event that that uh, happened before these things. Well, is, that,
2: is that my, my so my question is what is the why is the motive why are they why are they like this? It seems to me pretty simple. They're they're in a death sentence. They they have nothing to lose. They're well, gonna that's die a anyway. Good
1: point. They're looking the next 40 years thinking, my gosh, if I'm gonna live 40 years in this desert, I might as well be the big kahuna.
2: I must or at least make, a, make an attempt at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have
4: kind of a rebel rabbi, but he says that he can kind of understand why they said it. Because, because the original thing was you're all supposed to be priests, you know what you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and so they're they're thinking well we're all equal that's you what know, he says e- we're all equal we're all holy before here before God yeah, here that's right that's what he and says and so he but he's not seeing that there's a, a thing of position you know that that God gives everybody a certain role mm-hmm. to play
1: mm-hmm. yep yep mm-hmm. Um, we haven't got to the okay i will go a few more questions here who's next I, I'm a real you know attention-to-detail kind of guy, and we only have one of them covered. There's other people here, but go ahead.
0: Just another little fun on words. So, basically, he's saying, we're all holy
2: kahunas here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. so, I can, and I'm to be just as big as you. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. Mark
2: likes that word.
1: I think he does, too. You should go to Hawaii.
6: I see the um, theme carried over from the last chapters we were just discussing. The heart of man is desperately wicked, and here again, they're just rebelling against wanting to obey what Mm -hmm. Yahweh has told them to do.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So, okay, so Kohath, it would appear, is the kind of the ringleader of this group, and he got some buddies to come, come in with him. Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth. Um, Those guys, if you read on a little farther, are all of the tribe of Reuben. Right? We're the firstborn. We deserve prestige Reuben too. Reuben is the firstborn, but uh, that's the, they talked over the fence line. Because if you go back and you look at the way all the camps are, are uh, situated, uh, the Kohathites camped out mm-hmm. south yeah. of the Tabernacle. And the Reubenites camped out just south of the Kohathites. They conspired so together. They were yeah, to they close talked neighbors. They talked over the fence, they gossiped over the back fence. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, let's see. Who else joined in this uh, argument against uh, Moses and Aaron? Fifty others, a hundred others? Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty. Let's see. It says that at least once in there. Oh, yeah. Um, Verse two. And rose up against Moses. With them were two hundred and fifty Israelite men, well-known community leaders, who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. I think uh, the way... um, Alfonso's version is better. You've gone too far, it says here. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and Yahweh is with them. Why then do you set yourself above Yahweh's assembly? Well, there's an obviously a good answer to that. But uh, Moses, Moses basically says, oh, my gosh, you're doing it again, right? And he hits the deck. He, 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 puts, he fell face down, and he said to Korah and his followers, in the morning, Yahweh will show who belongs to him, and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will, he, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all of your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put fire in the, in, and incense in them, and come before Yahweh. And the man who Yahweh chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far, so we're into the gone too far thing. Yes.
2: So I think this is a similar thing. That everybody's capacity that was in leadership has been greatly diminished because they're not going anywhere for 40 years.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. That's a fair point. They're all hanging around here being getting in trouble because they're bored, so to speak.
2: What does it say about the
1: Idle idleness? Idle the devil? devil's workshop. They're, they're devils <laughs> There's kicking, maybe something to that. The
2: devil's working overtime.
1: So, yeah. so what does Moses say? How are we going to make the decision here?
2: Can I bring up another point? Yeah. So how many Amalekites, Midianites, uh, Moabites, Mosquito Bites are involved in this?
1: <laughs> not a one. Not a, a one not of them. One. Mm, they're all Israelites. They're all That's interesting. Israelites. The That's enemies in the camp, maybe. Yep, yep, yep. This one, you can't blame any of this on the uh, teeming masses or whatever.
4: I like it that he says, and as for Aaron, what is he that you protest against him?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, because what did Aaron
4: there? ever do to you? Yeah,
1: Aaron has done nothing but just kind of be a, a nice guy. I mean he even he even he, ate it and abetted it in the golden calf thing. Yeah. So he's you know, come on now. What what are you complain about, Aaron? Oh, yeah. So but basically what's what's Moses' solution? Yeah, he says, okay, fine. Bring your incense things and uh, come tomorrow morning and We'll have a we'll look, have an incinathon. High, at high noon at the OK Corral. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, okay, let's go let's go on here. Um, And then Moses really kind of nails Korah specifically, starting in verse 8. He says, he said to Korah, now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough that God, the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work of Yahweh's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too. That's what Mark was saying. It is against Yahweh that you and all your fellow followers have banded together. And who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? Like, you know, Aaron's not doing anything. Aaron's not giving you a hard time. So, he's
2: he's trying, he's, Moses is being merciful and giving them a way out. Or or, or being, trying to be reasonable with them. Is that fair? Giving them an, an opportunity to say, to repent and, and not well, cont- or you think it's a done deal? At
1: no, this no, point? no, no. I think I think there are, I think he could do that. But the thing is, is the it, to some degree the die is cast. You know what I mean? They're already they got themselves worked up into this mob-like furor, uh, and they've they've convinced themselves that they're right and that uh, this you know they they don't have to listen to Moses. They ought to be able to do what they want to do. So well, yes, why, they could. Why they could. bring
2: it up then? What's the point of Moses bringing it up?
1: Well, I think he's he's starting to give him a chance. You're you're right. He's trying to make him see reason, so to speak. Yeah. That's okay. Everybody else in here does that.
5: Okay. So I'm going to jump ahead now too. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the crowd. Yeah. Uh, so is I mean, Korah is obviously not getting. Yeah. He's signing his own death warrant. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, hey, here's the family rules. Uh Uh-huh. This is how the family rules are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the ones that are going to bring the offerings, the burnt offerings before me because what was it before? Yeah. Strange fire.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why I was going to get at that. Where else have we seen a bunch of guys bring or some guys bring some censors in to uh, have a good meeting with? (laughs) Yep, yep. Well, well, you can can make that same argument almost all the time about the Israelites because, you know, you can say to yourself, I mean, gosh, they walk through the Dead Sea with water on both sides of them. You know, you can say over and over again about the things they've seen, Uh, and yet here they are. And there is no question that Moses is the leader. There's no question that Aaron's the high priest. They've been operating this way for a couple of years. It's not like this is all something new. If they were gonna have a legitimate complaint, they could have done it on election day, so to speak. But you know, this is this is way after the fact. So yeah, you're you're right. He's he's clearly off base.
6: I like the fact that um Moses is making them do something rather than just say, say, Oh, yeah. I repent. Good I'm point. sorry.
1: Yeah, good point.
6: Because so much we see in the scripture is yep. proof that yep. You either do it or don't bother to say it.
1: Yep. Actually, that's exactly right. That's God cares. I mean, this has been a good lesson for me. God cares much more about what you do than what you say. Not that what you say is not important, but what you do telegraphs more what you believe than what you say.
4: I have a question because it says the sons of Eliov. Eliov wasn't one of them killed, right? He was just... I don't know.
1: 250 of them were killed. No, but I mean,
4: mean, Eliab was a Kohen. It
1: doesn't say that. Isn't he? It doesn't say that. Well, I
4: thought he was. I thought he was one of the sons of Aaron. Well, there's probably
1: several people with that name. But this is, the, the Dathan and Eberam are sons of Eliab. Those are Reubenites. Well, what
4: I was thinking was, Eliab is one of the priests.
1: Why were you thinking that?
4: Because I thought he was.
1: Well, I don't see that he is. Okay, you go back and figure that out. So um, so I'm in verse 12. Moses summoned Dathan, Abraham, the sons of Eliab, and they said to them, uh, but they said, we're not going to come. Is it enough that you've brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? And now you also want to, this is the term my Bible uses, you want to lord it over us. Yours, Alfonso, had something else, but it was basically. Say What? Yeah, rule over us. Moreover, you haven't brought us into land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? No, we're not going to come. In other words, now that's rebellion, right? <laughs> that's, I told you what just, I want you to do. I'm not doing it, you know. That's
2: just stupid. They they said, build us, a, elect us a new leader and take us back to Egypt. Well, You didn't want to go on the promised land. You were complaining. Yeah, they're just
1: being stupid. You're right. It says in verse 15 then, Moses became very angry, and he said to Yahweh, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, and have not wronged them in any way. Moses said to Korah, You and all your followers appear before Yahweh tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take his censer and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before Yahweh. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each man took a censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, the glory of Yahweh appeared to the entire assembly. And Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from the assembly so I can put an end to them at once. He says, stand over here, I'm zapping them. That's what he's saying, right? But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, Oh God, the God of God of the spirits of all mankind, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to see here. But basically, what his first threat was is, you know, God says, Okay, Moses, now you understand why I'm mad. Move aside, and I'll just wipe them all out. And Moses and Aaron, you know, they immediately say, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" You know, um, just because these one guys here, just this, this one group, has done this, you're not going to wipe them all out, are you? And so God says, "Okay, that's fine. Just tell them to stay away from the tents of these guys."
2: <laughs> so he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't try to defend them at all. No. Right? Like like he did with uh, when he's when he's making his case against
1: all the rest of Israel. Now that's happened two or three times, yep.
2: Right. It's, it's been, you know, hey, take that. He gets very passionate about it, very... Yep. Uh, he says,
1: you can't do that. What will all, what'll all the Egyptians right. say? Yeah. No, this time I think, uh, I think he understands a little more of how God feels.
2: And he's not going <laughs> to do, he's not going to say anything to say, these guys need to be, these guys, need, these guys should know. Yeah. <laughs> these guys should If there's should anybody know. should know what they're doing wrong, it's these guys. It's these guys. These false big Kahuna's,
1: yep. false big Kahuna's. Okay, so can I read? I'm going to read. <laughs> Go I ahead. Volunteer. I like to read. I'm going to read from verse 25. I've got to put on my glasses so I don't mess up here. So Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly: Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing with their wives, children, and little ones at the entrances to their tents. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that Yahweh has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then Yahweh has not sent me. But if Yahweh brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions. They all went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished and were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. And fire came out from Yahweh and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, to take the censers out of the smoldering remains and scatter the coals some distance away, for the censers are holy." the censers of the men who sinned at the cost of their lives. Hammer the censers into sheets and overlay the altar, for they were presented before Yahweh and have become holy. Let them be a sign to the Israelites. So Eleazar the priest had collected the bronze censers brought by those who had been burned up, and he had them hammered out to overlay the altar as Yahweh had directed him through Moses. This was to remind the Israelites that no one except a descendant of Aaron should come to burn incense before Yahweh or he would become like Korah and his followers. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed Yahweh's people, they said. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud over it and the glory of Yahweh appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and Yahweh said to Moses, Get away from this assembly so I could put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put incense in it, along with fire from the altar, and hurry to the assembly and make atonement for them. Wrath has come from Yahweh. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague, in addition to those who had died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting for the plague had stopped. <laughs> Man, I tell you, this is something. Don't I mean, trap Aaron. <laughs> Can, I mean, what a, what a thing. I mean, Moses doesn't say exactly what's going to happen. But what he says is, if these guys grow old and die just like, you know, men usually do, then I'm, I'm not doing this by God's command. I'm, you know, I don't know what's going on, but it's not me. But if something happens to them, say, for example, the earth were to open up and swallow them, uh, then you'll know who's, who's God appointed as your leader. And many no, finish, no sooner finish saying that than the earth opened up and swallowed them, Right? Man, and you'd think that'd be enough, right? Nope. Nope. We're we're talking
2: about the children of Israel here. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, only that, okay, he also came down and and then, like you had mentioned earlier, very much the way it happened to uh, uh, Aaron's first two sons, Nadab and Abihu, those guys with the censers out in front of the tent of meeting, all got turned into crispy critters, right? Uh, And God said, uh, I'll use the the censers, the gold censers, the brass censers, I guess, that they were using. And, uh, you know, they're now holy because these guys all sacrificed their lives, uh, and for me, in rebellion. So we'll beat them into, into sheets and put them over the the altar. But they all got... So it's, it's like it the tzitzitz
2: to remind what happened. Yeah. To remember us of what yeah. happened. Yep.
1: Yep. And- the, yep, then 250 got filed, and yet the next day, it's, usually the when people sleep day. on it, usually when people sleep on it, they kind of get cooler heads, not these guys. Yeah,
5: wouldn't you take a day and go, wow, look at, man, those people, yeah. they come wives back, they and, say, and children. Man, you guys are killing soft. off everybody. I need to keep my mouth shut and toe the line yeah, here. Yeah, you think. You'd no, think. I'm going to be, oh, sorry. That's,
1: so that's okay. Before it was all over, it uh, must have been 15,000 people died, right, because 14,700 plus Korah and all his gang plus the 250. It's probably you know, 15,000 some odd people died.
2: Again, not a Midianite and nope. a Melchite, Mo- a Nowhere all, to be seen. All
1: Israelites. Yep. yep. So, Korah's rebellion is what this is. It's a big deal.
2: So, there's an interesting question about their descendants because it does
1: talk about some of them survive. I don't know where it's mentioned. Well, I can I find that. As a matter of fact, I have that if you're interested. So, you'd think this would be the end of Korah, wouldn't you? But if you go over to chapter 26 of Numbers, Numbers 26, and I'll read starting in verse 10. This this is going through talking about all the different people in in the, um, uh, the leaders, the census at the end of the 40 years. And it talks, it started in verse 10. It says, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them. Let me go back to verse 8. The sons of Palu was Eliab, and the sons of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. The same Dathan and Abiram were the community officials who rebelled against Moses and Aaron and were among Korah's followers when they rebelled against Yahweh. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men. And they served as a warning sign. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. So it very clearly says that although the earth opened up and swallowed all of them, there must have been a couple of second cousins somewhere that were hiding out somewhere else in in the... Yeah, yeah, they stepped away from the tent. A couple of them got a hint and says, You know, I don't think this is a good place to be. I think I'd like to be way over there, way over there. John.
2: So, to me, this is a classic example of, well, here's what my physical father is doing, and here's what my spiritual father wants me to do. What am I going to do? Yeah. Step away from
1: the tent. Step away from the tent. Yep. I'm sure some of them did. I'm sure some of them did. Yeah. Yeah. But it was obviously rampant, you know? Um, And now, let's talk about that for a minute, because there's one of the things that's kind of come to my mind that... I almost don't like, but all of the rebellion, you know, uh, Miriam and Aaron, and they're griping about why Moses should be the the king, big kahuna, and we've got these guys here, and we had a couple of, well, we had the 12 spies, the 12 spies were successful in getting enough people that they they were getting ready to stone Aaron and Moses, you know, so there's lots of rebellion that's going on, now what event just preceded Miriam and Aaron's griping about Moses being a leader. What? Complaining about the. Nope. Complaining about the not having enough meat to nope. eat? Well, it was. It was when Moses. Oh, um, they got Moses, the, the blessings. Yeah, Mo, Mo, Moses complained that this group was too big. They were griping about the food. Right. And, but, you know, they, well, all we have is this manna. So God said, okay, I'll give you, you know, quail till it comes out your nose. But Moses had said, he says, I can't, I can't feed these people. I, I, didn't, I didn't give birth to these people. And God says, okay, uh, I'll help you. And he gave of his spirit to the leaders in the, in the assembly. And all these leaders were prophesying. Right? Right. That happened immediately before Miriam, Miriam and Aaron went to Moses and said, I don't know why you're king. You know, we're just as good as you. and and then we had the spies, and we've had this. So all of that happened just after this spreading. You remember Joshua says, tell him to stop. Tell this one guy that didn't come to the tent of meeting, tell him he's not supposed to do that. And Moses says, I wish they would all do that, right? But, and I don't know why well, that should strike me as something,
7: but, think, and, but they have
1: all said that too. They have all said, I mean, um, Korah said, he says, God has made us all holy. You know, we're all, we're all just like you. We're all set apart people. Why should you be the leader, you know? So they've all felt somehow or another like now they feel like they're equal. Now they feel like they're all the same. Yeah, but... So what's, what's wrong with my thinking?
2: Well, I think there's a big difference between the events of Miriam, which, which you just talked about was literally right before that, and this, because the big event with the, with the Korah rebellion is after they've been judged, they're all going to die in the
1: desert. That's that's, a fair, point. that's, a, that's, that's a fair point.
2: That changes your mind. That, there's a rationale to the, changing their mindset that say, oh, I'm just going to be rebellious because to me it doesn't matter. I'd rather die sooner than, than wait and okay. have my carcass brought out in the desert 40 years right. later. But um, uh, to me, you're right. It, it's all, it's, so you're saying it's all the, all the leaders. It isn't necessarily from the bottom up. What it's is the old saying that when the, the, the fish rots from the head down?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> is yeah, that where you're nah, going? I, I wasn't. You really just...
1: Yeah, go ahead. Well,
2: I, boy, I'm telling you, I don't even think God contemplated what it meant <laughs> to, take, to take Israel out of Egypt was a cakewalk, but to take Egypt out of Israel. I don't think God fully appreciates it. I, hopefully I'm not being blasphemous, but I'm trying to answer your question. No, no, no. He, I understand he, he's got to be amazed that these guys can't. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's true, then, boy, we better be very guarded, guarded about not having the slave mentality of Egypt. And yeah. we ought to be proactively, I would argue, be a sovereign and act like priests and kings.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Are there any other thoughts about that? Um, One of the things, go ahead, Pat has something. We're about done, but I have one other little thing I'd like to get you to think about over the week.
6: Anybody have an idea how these sensors floated to the top of when they were all... Dead? Well, when they were all swallowed up and covered up, You'd think their sensors were in their hands when oh, they did it. Well, How?
1: there's two separate events. One one event was the ground opening up and swallowing Cora and Dathan and Abraham and their families. Okay. The other event was the 250 guys with their sensors in front of the tent of meeting, and those 250 guys with their sensors in the tent of meeting just you know just nuke, God just zapped them with a big huge lightning bolt and they became charred little bits. Okay. So it was those sensors, I think that. I got you. Thank you. My guess. Here, you hold this for me. I got something to do. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about just for a minute, and I want you to go think about this, is that, you know, being a raised in an American, um, I've always been taught that, uh, you know. a democracy, specifically a representative democracy, is the best form of government. And I've even kind of—it's not been ever said this way because you know, this is the form of government that God would like us to have. But you know, for these, a righteous these people, these stories don't necessarily uh, go along with that. Uh, it, yeah, and you know, and I don't think it got me got to thinking. You know, what what kind of government does God want for His people? Um, and my, it's, it's not a democracy, I don't think, I think my, this is what a democracy looks like.
2: I think my favorite saying from one of the founding fathers is from Benjamin Franklin when, when some lady asked him, so what form of government did you give us? And he said, a republic if you can keep it. Yeah. It, if you're not a moral people yeah. who are take serious, yeah. you know, the well, word and, of God and, 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 and doing the right thing you you're going to be you're gonna easily lose you're going to lose everything yeah.
1: well and that's that's could same thing could have been said for these guys you know if they had been uh if they had been what's the right word attentive about following god's laws they wouldn't have done this right then we wouldn't have had these problems but as we can see by what's going on around us people aren't in that mode anymore right so anyway i just thought that was kind of an interesting thing because i used to really feel strongly that you know Democracy was the way to go, but these stories, to me, kind of fly in the face of that, because like you say, it's a wonderful way to go if, you're, if your society is moral, if your society has a common set of moral laws.
2: If you can't self-govern, don't think that yeah. it's just going to happen miraculously. Yeah, it's going to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah, God's human, not going to allow anarchy. That is anarchy. not human nature.
1: Right. Yeah. So anyway, all food for thought, huh? Any final thoughts here? Janice. The,
3: this whole story just makes me um, fear God all the more. Yeah. You know, I just wonder what were they thinking when, you know, the 250 died? You know, they must have had so much pride to not be able to uh, repent, get on their knees, you know, fear fear the Lord. Um, and I think that, you know, that's even a depiction of, of us and where we're at in our lives and and you know we think that that uh we wouldn't act the same way if we were them but i wonder how many of us would
1: yeah yeah that's that's a very good point and pride's a good a good description of that too
3: yeah, yeah. so I, it's it's so important that you know in the, especially now we're at in the time frame of you know coming up into the the end times and yep. you know the opening of the veils the um apocalypse um it's really important that we are in a time of repentance yep. and in a time yep. of, you know, consecrating our heart to the Lord. and,
1: yep. and concentrating on who <laughs> we serve.
3: Exactly, yep. exactly. And, and fasting, as John was talking mm-hmm. about, and, and praying, I think it's just really critical right yep. now because you know we're not going to know what hit us when something like this happens yep. and we're going to not remember these stories <laughs> you know well let's learn from you know our elder brother israel yep. you know we're not going to remember them. so i think it's just really crucial that we live that lifestyle of repentance and i agree for all of our sins all Thank the time you.
6: Yep. i'm noticing that the same thing secularly happened when Yeshua came mm-hmm. to earth, and he was rough with the the leaders at the time, not the Levites, yep, but the Pharisees, the Pharisees yeah. and uh, so it's just more of the same. More of the
1: same, yeah. Well, and, you know, rip, uh, let's see, pride, the the what the Greeks used to call it, hubris, arrogance, you know, self-assurance, um, that's kind of the, boy, that's always... Man, that's a, that'll get you in trouble every time. Okay, I'll close and we'll call it a night. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the exciting stories in the book of Numbers. There are a lot of interesting things to think about. Um, I'm just amazed that how much you put up with, how long-suffering you really are, how much you love us, the fact that you've enabled us to get together and talk about these stories and learn about you, learn about your character. Uh, and learn about what it is that you, what, how you'd like us to live our lives, how you'd like us to behave. Keep us safe until we meet together again on Shabbat. And uh, just thanks again for your Torah. In Yahushua's name, amen. So thank, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. And we'll do this again next week.